0: Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Revelation chapter 8, verse 2 Uh, Revelation chapter 8, verse 2 And I saw the seven angels who st- stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Verse 6 Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. And then the seven angels who had been given the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. And so, Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you that your word is so powerful, Lord, that it can change our lives. Lord, even as we explore this um, interesting and challenging book, Lord God, I just pray that by the Spirit of God, there would be a thought uh, that would be deposited in our hearts that would shift our focus towards you, Lord God. This is our prayer today, Father. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom in the house of God. Let the gifts of the Spirit just be in operation, even as I'm sharing. Let us have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, We're back in a series we began some months ago on the book of Revelation. Uh, If uh, you're new here or you're a guest here today, we're examining one of the most intriguing, controversial, puzzling books of the Bible, the book of Revelation. If you don't believe me, just go home this week as part of your devotions, why don't you read the book of Revelation and see how that goes for you. Um, One of the reasons why we're studying this book is because its message is powerful. Uh, It's a simple message that says Jesus is coming again. It's a message that, uh, that speaks about eternal life. Now when we hear a statement like that, Uh, The danger is that we can think that, well, that's just pie in the sky thinking. Every religion has a version of this kind of thinking, eternal life, you know, and everything and and kind of everything getting better and so on and so forth. Uh, Jesus isn't like everyone. Jesus came some 2000 years ago. He lived amongst us. You know, he taught, he preached, he did miracles. He died on a cross and three days later, he rose from the dead. No other guru has been able to do anything like that. So if any other guru does something like that, I might listen to them. But you know, if Jesus is the only one they've done, and because of that, I might listen to what Jesus has to say. I think he has something to say about the afterlife. This is what Jesus said. Keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Last week, we looked at the breaking of the seals. When the seventh seal was opened, the seven trumpets were released. As we read in our text, I was gonna get some trumpets this morning, but we didn't get them. Um, seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. This opens for us the next cycle in the book of Revelation. As we look at this next session, we will hear about a lot of interesting images. Uh, We will hear about a star called Wormwood, locusts that look like horses and have human faces, talking eagles, scrolls that are to be eaten, uh, lampstands and olive trees, and it sounds more and more like a science fiction movie than anything else. Uh, to understand the imagery in this next section, we need to decide what's figurative and what's literal. In other words, as we're reading this text, what, what is literal that we need to kind of you know, do and what is kind of a picture of a truth of some description? The technical term for this is genre analysis. Uh, this is important because it will determine how we interpret the text. For example, imagine you hear a young mum who's frustrated with her kids uh, say, I'm going to kill you. Now, does that mean literally or figuratively? Figuratively, we hope. Uh, She's not going to literally do it. Uh, And every every mum, I'm sure, has said it sometimes. Dad, too, sometimes say that. It's just a way of speaking. On the other hand, if you're watching the Godfather movie and someone says, uh, I'm going to kill you, is that literal or is it figurative? More, lit, more figurative, it's literal, okay? Trust me. Um, we need to understand that Revelation was written in an apocalyptic genre. Apocalyptic genre is a type of Jewish literature that uses symbolic imagery to communicate truth. In other words, one, one way that truth is communicated is through images, through symbols, through numbers that are not necessarily literal, but they mean something. And while it doesn't make a lot of sense to us, to the people reading the images, they knew exactly what this was talking about. And so to help us understand or interpret the images, because this is where a lot of people make mistakes in the book of Revelation. They, they, they kind of take literally what is figurative, figurative what is literal, and can get into all kinds of problems. So to help us interpret or understand these images, we need to start with a simple question, which is, what did the early church understand when they first read this letter? And if we can understand that, then it'll help us understand what it means to us today, because that's the bit that I'm interested in. What does this letter, what does the book of Revelation say to you and me today? And as we look at this next section, there's two questions I want to answer. First question is, what is the significance of the trumpets? And the second question, in light of that, how should we as the church respond? What's the significance of these trumpets? And... How should we as a church respond? If these truly are the last days, if the time is near, as John says at the beginning of this particular book, then how should we as a church respond? So let's go to the first question. The first question is uh, What is the significance of the trumpets? When the original hearers heard John speak about the trumpets, what did they understand? What, what, What did they understand by the mention of the trumpets in this book? Well, for us, a trumpet is just a musical instrument. But in the Old Testament, the trumpets were sounded for specific reasons. Let me give you three. First reason why a trumpet was sounded was to announce a new king had been crowned. When Solomon was to be crowned uh, 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 king, uh, David said, There have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anointed king over Israel. Blow the trumpet and shout, Long live the king reason why they did this was because not everyone could see the king actually being crowned. No social media back then, no television sets to be able to see the image of Solomon being crowned as king. Instead, they would blow a trumpet and shout, long live the king. And the people understood that a king had been crowned. Trumpets were also sounded to call or to invite people to a sacred assembly. Numbers 29 verse one, on the first day of the seventh month, uh, hold a sacred assembly and no regular work. It is a day for you to sound the trumpets. How good is that? Get your trumpets out and blow the trumpets. The purpose of those trumpets was to call an assembly. The purpose of the assembly was to worship God. It was a call to come together and turn towards God. Finally, the trumpet was blown to warn people that judgment was coming. When Israel defeated Jericho, God said, Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. The idea was that Israel was to circle the city and blow the trumpets for six days. On the seventh day, they were to blow the trumpets uh, again uh, seven times. And um, the trumpets were there primarily to warn Jericho that judgment was coming. On the seventh day, it was the final time that they were blown. It was too late. Judgment had come. Seven trumpets in Revelation do all of that for us. Everybody okay this morning? We're learning about trumpets, okay. Um, Now, like the seals, uh, some say the trumpets will be blown one day. Um, The trumpets in our text. The the ones we've read in our text, they don't have really anything to say to us today. This is talking about a time somewhere in the future, in the time of tribulation, when the trumpets are going to be blowing. Is that true? Well, maybe that is true. But there's another sense where these trumpets have been blowing since the beginning of time. There is a sense where these trumpets are still blowing today. And every blowing of the trumpet says, pay attention, because something significant is going on. What's interesting about the seven trumpets is there's a lot of similarity between the blowing of the trumpets and the 10 plagues of Egypt. Uh, the trumpets were about uh, hail mixed with blood, water turned bitter, locust plague, darkness and hardship over the earth. And the purpose of the plagues in Exodus, like the trumpets, were to announce that there was only one God, that there was a God in heaven. He was the creator of the heavens and the earth and He, control, he could control the environment and, 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 and creation. And, they were a warning to Pharaoh to bring him to repentance. Every time God sent one of the plagues, it was like a trumpet was blowing. Every time that happened, the Bible says that Pharaoh, who saw exactly what was going on, listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says he hardened his heart. This is what he said. He said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Massive amount of frogs, frogs everywhere, frogs, frogs everywhere. Can you imagine? It's like Queensland, frogs everywhere, you know, just everywhere. And, and, and I'm not going to bow down to God, etc., etc. Locust plague, just locusts that suddenly devour everything. No, I'm not going to bow down to God. And Pharaoh again and again said, I'm not going to submit to the living God what's interesting about that story the plagues and some of you have seen the movie is that there weren't just two plagues if it was me two here's your chance repent no you don't want to repent see you later I would have gone straight to number 10 but there were 10 plagues why 10 because each plague was an opportunity for Pharaoh to turn to God Bible says God isn't late with his promises some measure lateness he is restraining himself on account of you I love that scripture Aren't you glad that he restrained himself on account of us so that we could come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior? Holding back to the end because he doesn't want anyone lost, he's giving everyone space and time to change. Pharaoh continued to resist God until the final plague, final trumpet, was blown and then it was too late. God's desire is that no one should perish, so he blows the trumpets. He announces... A king has been crowned. He calls and invites people to come together. He warns. Because he doesn't want anyone lost, he's giving everyone space and time to change. I wonder, can we hear the trumpets blowing today? Bible says the first angel sounded his trumpet and there came hail and fire mixed with blood and it was hurled down on the earth a third of the earth was burned up a third of the trees and and the green Greens, grass was burned up. Second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Third angel sounded his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky on a third of the rivers on a thir- and, and on the springs of water. The name of the star was Wormwood. A third of the waters turned bitter, and many people died from the waters that had been bitter. Fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. Anyone notice a fraction in these texts? A bit of maths in Revelation for you. Um, And uh, anyone notice it was A third? And if you were paying attention last week, um, the the, the seals uh, talked about a quarter. So we've gone from a quarter, now we've gone to a third. What this speaks to us about is the signs are escalating, but still restrained. question is, how do we interpret these trumpets? What do these trumpets mean to you and me today? Well, one way to interpret the trumpets is to see them as things that are happening in the world, even right now. The first trumpet, hail and fire mixed with blood, speaks of the scorching of the earth. The second trumpet, huge mountains all ablaze, thrown in the sea. Uh, I mean, I don't know what image comes to your mind, but it could speak of volcanoes. Third trumpet could speak of pollution in the sea. And the fourth, of astrological instability. It's interesting that it's talking a lot about... Uh, ab- about the environment. And isn't it interesting that there's a lot of talk in our, in our society, in the world today, about the environment. People are watching. When you see these markers or these signs, this is not the end, but it is a trumpet. Jesus said, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And the, there will be uh, famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. We said last week, like birth pains, the signs are getting stronger, more frequent, and more powerful, the closer we get to Christ's return. Apparently, that's what happens when a lady gives birth. Apparently, the, 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 the birth pains get stronger and more frequent. We talked about that last week. And the, the idea is that the signs or the markers of Christ's return are going to be more frequent and more powerful as Christ prepares to return. At Jesus calls these birth pains, John calls them trumpets, pay attention to the trumpets. Um, There's another way that some people are interpreting uh, these trumpets. Um, Some don't see the trumpets necessarily as literal. Uh, When the third trumpet speaks of water turning bitter, it could speak of physical water. It could also have spiritual significance. Jesus said, I'm the water of life. If you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. Jesus was saying, you drink of this water and you're you're never gonna be thirsty again. In fact, this water is gonna bring eternal life, says John. What Jesus was saying is that he came to give life and life in abundance. And if we we would just surrender to him, if we would just give our life to Christ, obey and follow his words and, and teaching, we would experience life. Jesus wasn't speaking about physical water. He was speaking about truth. And Jesus was saying, you drink this water, you're never gonna be thirsty again. We live in a world today that says, that thinks, well, if I just get this, then then I'll experience happiness. Then I'll experience joy. If I just get to this position, if I just buy a new car, if I just get more, if I just have a little bit more, one more room in my house, then I'm gonna experience joy. How many people know that's not true? You just fill it up with more junk. We always think, if only more. Jesus said this, Jesus said this. He says, you drink this water. You drink this water here and you're never gonna be thirsty again because something deep inside of you is gonna be satisfied. And you might be the poorest person on the earth, living in the poorest country in the earth and you can still experience peace because you've experienced the love and the grace and the mercy and the truth of Jesus Christ. The picture of this trumpet is that water is the teaching, the philosophy that mankind comes to feed their soul on. Wormwood, which means poison, has poisoned the water. And just for the record, that appears over eight times in the Old Testament. All we need to do is see what's being passed as wisdom and truth and knowledge in our society today. All we need to do is see what is being taught in our schools as truth to understand and to know that the water has been poisoned to know that this trumpet is being blown. Once upon a time in our own nation, there was something of, of a fear of God. There was an understanding. Hey, we might not believe in God, but there was still this reverence and fear of the Lord that's slowly disappearing. Is that true? Come on, that's gotta be true. That has to be true where there's this sense of you know not not just no you know what we don't believe in god no but there's this anger towards god there's a sense that the waters are being polluted where the teachings of scripture are being polluted and maybe that's a sign that the this trumpet is blowing fourth trumpet may not literally speak about the sun moon and stars often sun moon and stars are used in the bible to speak of authority and governance for example when joseph had a dream he saw the sun moon and stars bow down to him it's possible when the sun moon and stars are spoken about of falling from heaven it could be speaking of the judgment of rulers throughout history falling from power could be speaking about Babylon and Rome and Hitler and Idi Amin and other leaders come that that, that have come and gone. I, I will bring you down, and the whole world will see and hear that this trumpet is blowing. Throughout history, we've had leaders and and, and uh, uh, dictators that have set themselves up as I am invincible. It's kind of they've set themselves up almost as as godlike in some way. And God says, Are you kidding? Are you kidding? Just watch. Rome that was invincible back in its time was defeated, completely defeated. Fortunately, those as Rome still don't know that. They still think that they own the world, but you know, they have been defeated. They were defeated many years ago. <laughs> Question is this, can we hear the trumpets blowing? As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair calling a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. This is the talking eagle, by the way, because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. The three woes are as if to say, if you think the first four are bad, wait till you see the next three. Fifth trumpet is an interesting one. When this one was blown, a swarm of locusts were released on the earth. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound. Listen carefully. The sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stingers like scorpions, and in their tails they had power to torment people for five months. Now, some people reading this text uh, have uh, interpreted these locusts as being military helicopters. Think about it. Uh, Breastplates of iron. Uh, they had the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and so on yeah anyway, and chariots rushing in the battle, uh, so some people have you know the stingers in the back speaks of whatever they helicopters military helicopters do with firepower and so on, but to the original uh, read, and it could very well be that one day they will be part of that i don 't know, but to the original readers. They would have seen the similarities between this text and the words of Joel, the prophet Joel. Israel had gone through a season where they had, had uh, departed from God. They turned away from God. God speaks through the prophet Joel and he says, "Blow the, Here it is again. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. It is close at hand, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness. Like dawn spreading across the mountains, a large and mighty army, which was a locust plague just by the way, comes such as never was in ancient times, nor ever will be in ages to come. And if you read Joel chapter two, it's a fantastic prophetic scripture that Peter refers to in Acts chapter two. And Joel says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Prophet Joel says, blow the trumpet in Zion. The prophet, the prophet Joel says, blow a trumpet in Zion. This was a call to the people of Israel, come together to return to the Lord to warn the people of impending judgment, and all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Question is: can we hear the trumpets blowing? And into our culture, every now and then, a trumpet blows. Every time that trumpet blows, it declares that a king has been crowned. It caused people to come together. Come on, let's come together. Let's turn to the Lord. It invites people to worship God. It reminds people. It warns people that a final trumpet is coming. Tragically, even though the trumpets are blowing like Pharaoh, people choose to turn not to turn to God Revelation 9 chapter 20 this is what it says the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands they did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold silver and bronze stone and wood idols that cannot see or hear or walk in other words they saw all of this stuff happening they recognized that that this was this was definitely God but they still chose not to turn to God in other words people hear the trumpets blowing the undeniable Reality that God was behind this, yet they said like Pharaoh, "Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice?" We're living in a world today that is clearly turning away from God. Uh, we're living in a world today that says, um, "You know, it's okay to celebrate Halloween, but make sure we take Christ out of Christmas carols because you know it could be offensive to some people." Hey, you know what? Let's not let's not. But Halloween, let's 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 do that. By the way, if anyone knocks on your door, no one has knocked on our door yet. Whatever you do is fine, but just say, hey, is it okay if I pray for you? You know, just (laughs) call the parents. Hey, come over here. They're coming on your turf, on your territory. Just pray that God's hand will be upon them in the name of Jesus and God will protect them from harm in Jesus' name. Let's use it as an opportunity to speak about Jesus Christ. So often people say, I just want to see the proof that God is real. Just show me the proof. Romans says for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Again, again, people say, just show me the proof. There's no greater proof than the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus went about doing good, healing the sick, speaking a message of hope. Today we celebrate communion in just a few moments. It's a reminder of the most significant event in history where Jesus was crucified. He died three days later and he rose again. Think about the date today. We're in the year 2019. 2019 from what? From the the coming of Jesus Christ. And you know, if you still don't believe that, just look at creation. Is what you, Paul says to the Romans, just look at creation. Just study creation. Just look at the human body. And you've got to go, and this all just happened by chance. Then this all just happened because some... Gases came just from nowhere, by the way. They just appeared from nowhere. They just appeared all of a sudden. It takes faith to believe that. And, and these gases over billions and trillions and quadrillions, years and years and years, they became human beings like today. That takes faith, I tell you. That takes a lot of faith to believe that. No greater proof that God is real than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we still need to make a decision to put our faith in him or not because that's what it's really about. It's not about the proof. It's about a decision. Will I serve Jesus or not? John says in his gospel, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. It's a powerful scripture. Real issue is not the evidence. The real issue is, we're going to make a decision to believe and obey Jesus Christ. Now, I understand. I'm, some people are saying, yeah, but Pastor Joe, you know, everybody's got a theory about eternal life. And everybody, I understand. And this, this religion. Do, what is the truth? How do I know what the truth is? How, how do I sift through all of this information? How do I know that they're wrong and they're right? And how do I know that the Bible is right and, 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 and everything else is wrong? How do I know? Now, you know, the only way that I can, I can, all I can encourage you to do is just open your heart to God. Say, God, if you're real, I wanna know. And God always responds to a seeking heart, always. And if you seek after God, you will find God. He will re- reveal himself to you because he loves you, and cares about you. This brings us to ask the second question. What do we do to do as a church in this time? How should we as the church live in the last days? There are some people who would say, what we need to do as a church is start a commune, gee, God help us, <laughs> hey, um, move to the mountains and, you know, kind of just sit around in circles and sing Kumbaya and we should wait for the coming of the Lord. By the way, we should make some, you know, we should build some bunkers too, just to, just wait for Armageddon. Um, as we look at chapters 10 and 11, kind of encourages us to do three things. First thing that we need to do is devour the Word of God. Revelation 10 says that John saw an angel holding a little scroll and he was told to eat it. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Sounds bizarre, an edible scroll. Um, again, how, should the, how would the original readers have heard that? What would they have understood by this passage? Well, interestingly, as we look at the Old Testament, we find some parallel scriptures in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Ezekiel says, and he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you, eat this scroll, then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. I believe the scroll represents the word of God. If there's ever a time when the church needs to understand the word of God, it's today. As we hear the trumpet sounding, as it gets closer to the coming of the Lord, we need to devour the word of God and make it a part of our lives. It's not just enough to have the Word on our shelves, but we need to make it a part of our lives. David says in Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Goes on to describe the power of the Word. And then the principles of the Word are more precious than gold. than much pure God, they are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. How precious is God's Word to us. By them a servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward, says the scriptures. Why was the scroll sweet to the mouth and bitter in his stomach? It was bitter because as we speak the word, not everyone is going to receive it. Some people may even hate us for speaking the word of God. What do we need to do in the end times? Let's love the word. Second thing that we need to do is dwell in the presence of God. Revelation 11 says, I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar with its worshippers, but exclude the outer court, do not measure it. Word temple in the Greek in that particular text is the word naos, which represents the glory of God, the holy of holies, the dwelling place of God. In the Old Testament, to get to the holy of holies, you had to go through all these courts and all these rooms to get to the place where God dwelt, the holy place. And, and in that place, the high priest could only go once a year. In the New Testament, the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And John was told to measure the temple, but don't measure the outer courts. Don't worry about the outer courts. Just measure the holy place. What does that speak to us about today? What that says to us is that more than ever in the last days, we need to be close to God that we need to stay close to the presence of God. We need to love God. We need to love the house of God. We need to be worshipers. That doesn't mean singing. That means being fully devoted to God and living in obedience and devotion to God. The problem with a lot of us is we prefer to be in the outer courts. We want to be close enough to the action in case something happens, but we want to be able to do our own thing. Paul says this to Timothy. He says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith. And follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. In other words, these were people that were in the faith, but they've left the faith to follow after deceiving spirits and things that are not taught by God. How do do we protect ourselves from that? We do that by staying close to God, by staying close to the presence of God, by staying close to the house of God. There is something protective about the house of God. I cannot explain this to you, but one of the ways that, that we can protect ourselves from deception Deception is where we call black, white, and white, black. How do we protect ourselves from that? We protect ourselves from that by staying close to the house of God, by staying close to the presence of God. There is something protective about the house of God. It protects our lives. It protects our marriages. It protects our families. Something very powerful about the church. Stay close. As the end draws near, stay close to the presence of God, to the house of God. And finally, be a witness for Christ. And I will appoint my two witnesses, and they are two olive trees and two lampstands. There they are. And they shall stand before the Lord on the earth. Who are the two witnesses? Might be speaking about Elijah and Moses Have you read the text um, for your light reading this week, chapter 11 of Revelation. Um, Might be speaking about Elijah and Moses. Maybe speaking about two individuals who will have a particular role in the end. But more than that, I believe it speaks about a witness to the church that we are called in the last days to be a witness of Jesus Christ and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, Australia and the ends of the earth. We're called to be in the church to blow a trumpet. To blow a trumpet. We're called to blow a trumpet that announces that God has been crowned. Sorry, that God has crowned Jesus as King. He called it to invite all mankind to come and worship Jesus Christ, our Lord. To blow a trumpet, to warn people that if they don't repent, if they choose to defy God, the judgment is coming. What do we do in the last days? Devour the Word, live in the presence of God. Be a witness for Jesus Christ. I know there's a lot of information there this morning, but the question is, can we hear the trumpets blowing? I love the book of Revelation and I'm glad we're spending a bit of time here. I know I could speak on a whole lot of other topics, topics that might make us feel good and that's coming, okay? I'm working on some of those already. But I think it's really good for us as a church to do a timeout and let's dive into the book of Revelation, the last book, because it reminds us that we're not gonna live forever, that one day Jesus is coming back and we will have to appear before Him and that Paul reminds the church. He reminds them again and again. We're not citizens of this place. We are citizens of heaven. So I'm glad we're stopping here. I know it's a bit difficult. And I know some of you are going, really? You know, is that what the, what the locusts mean? I don't think so. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you believe about the locusts. It's okay. But I pray we get the right message. That Jesus is coming back one day. I don't care what's happening in the world. I don't care what everybody is saying. The Bible says it. Jesus said it. I believe it and that settles it. And I pray more than all of that is that it would start to change the way we live our lives. That Monday is going to be different because you know what? I'm not here forever. One day I'm going to appear before Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that He loves you. I want to ask the brethren to come that are going to help us distribute communion this morning. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And He cares about you. And He came over 2,000 years ago and He died on the cross so that through a relationship with Him, you could have eternal life. My encouragement to you is don't harden your heart towards God like Pharaoh. Don't say like Pharaoh, who is this God that I should obey Him? Open your heart and receive Jesus as your personal Saviour. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. One more thing that reminds us that Jesus is coming again is communion. Every time we celebrate communion, we remember that Jesus is coming again. Jesus said, for every time you eat this bread, eat this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until He comes again question. Can can everyone take communion? Can can everyone take communion? Uh, No, not really. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, these emblems mean nothing to you. If if you don't believe Jesus, if you think that this is just a religion, man-made religion, and these emblems are just a way of keeping, controlling people's lives, then, then communion means nothing to you. These emblems mean nothing to you. If you are a believer, then communion is for you. But maybe you're here today and you're not sure about eternity. Why not allow the bread and the cup be an opportunity to invite Jesus Christ into your life? Why don't you allow the act of taking the bread and the cup? These are just symbols. Why don't you allow these symbols to be an opportunity to say, Jesus, I want you in my life. And I can tell you, if you do that with a sincere heart, your life will never, ever, ever be the same again. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God will have eternal life. That's my prayer for you. Trumpets blowing today. It's my prayer for you. It's God's desire for all of us. We're going to sing a song um, brethren are going to uh, deliver the cup and the and the bread. Just hold them in your hands, and we're going to take communion together in just a few minutes.